Sermon number 681, A Communion Meditation, Shadow and Substance, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Monday, Thursday, April 11, 1974. The text is taken from Hebrews, the 10th chapter, the first 10 verses. It was Thursday night, just as it is tonight. It is the month of April, just as it is tonight. It is the time of the full moon, just as it has been this past week. And in a home, on a street, in the city of Jerusalem, our Lord, about this very same hour, sat down to have a dinner with his disciples. It wasn't any ordinary dinner, it was the feast of the Passover. Now the disciples didn't know it then, and you can't hold them responsible because nobody else knew it then either except Jesus. But that night, when they ate that meal with our Lord, they were experiencing the shadow of a substance that was yet to come. They were seeing in outline form a pattern which would be developed and only could be developed after the first Good Friday and Easter morn had passed. That Last Supper of our Lord, that Passover, you see, was a preview for what we are doing here this Thursday night in April of 1974. It was the Passover. To the Jew, Passover is very, very important. There is much ritual connected with it. But on that particular night, the ritual was to have something new added, a remembrance. It wasn't just any meal. That meal served as a memorial. That supper became a sacrament. You see, the shadow, which soon was to have substance, was taking place. And the preview was being shown that night by our Lord at that supper table. The Jew believed, as you Bethel students know, that life is in the blood. And that without the shedding of innocent blood, there can be no atonement for sin. This particular Passover meal had been celebrated for more than 1,300 years at the time of our Lord serving it and that year in which he died. Six items were needed for the Passover meal. Chunks of unleavened bread. Second, there was needed bitter herbs. Thirdly, there, there had to be a mixture of 
apples and dates and pomegranates and nuts. Fourth, there had to be a bowl of salt water. Fifth, four glasses of wine. And fifthly, and the most important, there had to be that pure, that unblemished, that lamb because of its special significance that was called the Paschal Lamb. Just wasn't any lamb, and you just didn't come in and take it out of some form of cooling and throw it into some oven or fire. No, no. The Paschal Lamb had to be special. The ceremony began really several days before the Passover, but on that particular afternoon of Passover, the lamb had to be taken to the temple and to the priests. And there the one who was responsible for the preparation of the meal would hold the lamb in his arms. And when it came to his time, he would slip the throat of the lamb. And the priest standing before this particular sacrifice would try to catch the splashing, gurgling, spilling blood into a either gold or silver basin. And then the contents would be taken to the altar and splashed upon that altar. Then the worshiper would give the carcass of the animal to the priest. He would strip it of its skin. He would extract the entrails and, and the fat, for they too were a part of the sacrifice. And then he would return the carcass to the worshiper and he would take it home and roast it. He couldn't boil it because, you see, nothing was allowed to touch that pure, unspotted, unblemished male lamb. He had to roast it over an open fireplace. He used as a spit the limb from a tree of a pomegranate tree. He would stick the spit down through the throat. It would go through the body and out the vent. And there the lamb would be roasted until done. And then all in the family who gathered, gathered at that particular sacrifice, they ate that lamb. But you had to eat the lamb with unleavened bread. Why unleavened bread? Well, that was the type of bread that was used at the first sacrifice of the Passover. Remember, the Jews were in Egypt. They were being released from bondage. They had to be ready to get out in a hurry. And unleavened bread is much quicker to prepare than that which has leaven in it. That's one reason. But they did it for another. Leaven, you see, to the Jew is the sign of fermentation. And fermentation to the Jew means corruption and rottenness. And as a matter of fact, part of the Passover preparation was for a whole day before the sacrifice, the owner of the household would ceremonially light a candle and fastidiously look through his entire home for any piece of leaven to see that such corruption and rottenness was out of his home before the feast 
could be prepared in the Passover lamb, eaten. They had to eat the lamb with, with bitter herbs. The bitter herbs, you see, to remind those people of the suffering of slavery which they knew when they were under the domination of some foreign power. It was a reminder that once they were made people, that once they were under the domination of a foreign power that enslaved them and prohibited them from being free, they had to eat the Paschal lamb. Also with that particular salad mixture of apples and nuts and pomegranates and, and dates. This mixture, you see, when you put them all together, formed a color of red paste. And this we use, used to remind those people of the things they made when they were slaves in Egypt, the hard, cold bricks that they were forced to make when they were slaves. You had to eat the Paschal lamb, looking at that bowl of salt water, salt water that reminded those people of the tears, the bitter tears that they shed when they were in slavery, and also it was to serve as a reminder of the miracle of God that parted the salt sea of the Red Sea and allowed the people to miraculously escape out of Egypt and be permitted to go on their way to the Promised Land. And as scheduled in the meal, as they ate of the lamb, they would take the various cups, four in all, and these were used at designated times in the service to allow the people to remember the four promises that God had given unto his people, promises which could be summarized in one sentence. If you obey my law, you shall be my people, and I shall be your God. Everything was contingent upon the obeying of the law, and part of the law said that you made atonement for your sin by making a sacrifice, a sacrifice which could be made at Passover time. It was not until after Good Friday and Easter morn, it was not until the church had begun that people realized that Jesus brought a new meaning to the Passover that last night of his earthly life. Some people don't even catch it today. The substance that was there that night when Jesus served the Passover feast. It was only later that people began to realize that Jesus himself was the Paschal Lamb, that he is our Passover, that Jesus, pure, unspotted, without blemish, Jesus, the Son of God who never sinned, he was the one who was led to the priests. He was the one who was stripped of his clothing. He is the one 
who is pierced and placed upon pieces of wood, not called a spit, but called a cross. He is the one whose side was pierced so that the blood flowed. He is the innocent one who died so that the sins of the world could be paid for. This Jesus was, as John predicted, the Lamb of God who cometh to take away the sin of the world. He is our Passover. To the Christian, he is the one who not every year but once and for all has paid the price. And as we come to feed upon this Paschal Lamb, the Son of the living God, this sacrifice that was made once and for all, as we feed upon him, we too must bring those other elements of the Passover to our celebration. We bring the unleavened bread, not just because that's the way it's always been practiced, but because unleavened bread shows to us the sign that we are trying to get away from corruption and rottenness. Remember, leaven was the sign of fermentation, which in turn to the Jews meant rottenness, corruption. An individual, when he comes, you see, to eat of the Paschal Lamb, Jesus Christ, he's to do so trying to search out his own being to see if there is any wicked way in him to try to sweep clean the evil the selfishness, the self-centeredness that is within him before he eats of the Lamb of God. As we come, we bring with us bitter herbs because we are to be reminded of the bitterness that we have known when we have been a slave to sin, when we were no people, when sin had us in its grips. And when we became people controlled other than by the love of God, but through our own selfishness and self-centeredness we became slavish to those things which are less than God would have us to serve. We come, you see, and also we look at those particular things which our sins have made, those cold, calculating, hard things that our sins have built into this world. We come looking at that particular salt water, realizing the tears that we have shed over that bondage to sin that we have known, and the tears of sorrow that our loved ones have shed because of our sin. And we remember, though, the greatest miracle God ever created was not imparting the Red Sea so that the people of Israel could be delivered to the Promised Land. The greatest miracle is that God was in Christ and he can reconcile anyone unto God if the person will only believe. We come, you see, with the cups before us, the cups which Christ poured from four and made one, the cup of the new covenant in my blood, before the covenant relationship between God and man was based upon law, that Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. The covenant now is love. 
What law could not do, Jesus Christ in love did. And he said, no man can keep the law. No man is pure by his own efforts. It's only by the grace of God that an individual can be forgiven. And we have that forgiveness in Christ who came to tell us and to die with the message that God loves us. And because of God's love for him, for us, we can love him and each other. We come tonight. We come examining ourselves so that we do not eat or drink damnation unto ourselves. We come realizing the miracle that has been done for us by Christ's death on the cross. We come realizing that the Passover has been completed once and for all because of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. All of you who are truly sorry for your sins and wish to be delivered from the burden of them, all of you who are truly desirous to live a more holy and happy life, all of you who want to feed on Jesus, you are invited, and you are encouraged to come and sit with us at the marriage feast of the Lamb of God.